Welcome to the PCTR Podcast. I'm Robbie Itterberg, Senior Pastor. I want to thank you for listening today. We hope that you hear from God and that this podcast encourages you in your faith journey. You can connect with us on social at facebook.com slash PCTRNJ or our Instagram handle, PCTRNJ. Or you can find more information or resources at PCTR.org. Have a great day. Peace. Well, good morning to you. If we haven't had the chance to meet, I'm Robbie Itterberg, one of the pastors. And this morning, we're continuing a sermon series that we've been in for a few weeks now, a series that we're calling God's Fingerprint, Our Values. And in this series, we are exploring how we as a church are unique, that we are not the same as the church down the street. They're not the same as us Just as every person is made unique, every fingerprint is unique, every church is unique, has a unique set of values, and in that way, represents and reflects God uniquely to the world. And so we're looking at our values as a church, as PTR, these PCTR. These are values which our session, which is the currently serving elders and two pastors, recently adopted and discerned. And I say values are discerned because you can't really just name a value and then suddenly it's true and that you become that. Like, we could say, yeah, I really value patience. But does that mean we're patient? I won't ask you to evaluate whether or not that's true of you right now. But in that same way, we want to look at these values as discerned, as given to us, as grounded in the reality of what God has actually imprinted on us just like his fingerprint. And so each week, we're looking at another one of our values, exploring it, articulating it, so that we can intentionally live into that value more fully, recognizing that we're not doing it perfectly as we, as a church, are a work in progress. And so, our first, in our first couple of weeks, we talked about how we value being gospel-centered, meaning that everything we do and everything about us individually and corporately is because of what Jesus has done for us. That apart from what Jesus has done, we are alienated and separated from God, but because of Jesus's life, his death, his resurrection, we are reconciled to the Father. And not just reconciled to God, but also reconciled to one another. And so last week we talked about how Jesus has made us a family. And through his sacrifice, he's broken down all of the, div- the divisions and the barriers that we tend as humans to put up against one another and has united us into one family, despite or including the reality of class and race and gender and generation that we are a family. And for Jesus, actually, the family he has created is even more significant than the biological family. And so to live that out, we share in intimate, nurturing, supportive, challenging, and loving relationships as his family. And as we move into today's value, I'm wondering if you have ever had the experience of trying to do something that was very difficult for you. But when you finally learned the proper way to do it, it became so much easier. 
When I was a freshman in high school, I was on the freshman basketball team, but I could not shoot a basketball. I could not throw the ball into the ocean from a boat, as they say. I would get opportunities to shoot free throws, and yes, sometimes I would even hit the rim. But I loved basketball, and I wanted to keep playing basketball throughout high school, but I was only six foot tall, so I really needed to learn how to shoot. And so I had to learn the fundamentals of shooting, how to hold my arm so that my elbow was in and in the shooting pocket, how to hold the ball on my hand and keep it on the pads of my hand rather than right there flat in the palm and up on the tips of my fingers with my fingers spread out and my thumb to the side. I had to learn how to allow the ball to come off my index finger and my middle finger last and give a flick of the wrist as if you're reaching into the basket so that it would get that nice soft rotation. It wasn't all that complicated to learn, but I had to practice it over and over and over to make it natural, to make it ultimately become so much easier for me. See, and this is what learning is like. As we learn, though, it also unlocks all sorts of opportunities for us, just like it did for me as I was able to play basketball throughout high school. And today's value that we're naming is learning. And as we jump into this, I want you to listen carefully to Jesus' invitation that he makes to us to continue to learn and the opportunities that it opens up for us. And so we're going to jump into Matthew chapter 11. You can follow along on the screen if you'd like. Let's listen for Jesus' words to us this morning. At that time, Jesus said, I praise you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, Because you've hidden these things from the wise and learned and revealed them to little children. Yes, Father, for this is what you were pleased to do. All things have been committed to me by my Father. No one knows the Son except the Father, and no one knows the Father except the Son, and those to whom the Son chooses to reveal him. Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. And let's pray as we move into this word together. Heavenly Father, we're so grateful for this chance to gather in your presence with confidence that by your Holy Spirit you are here. There was nothing we had to do but Jesus has already done it all for us. And so we can confidently come before you, praying and asking that you would continue to lead us and teach us and guide us, that you would allow your words to be alive within us and that you would be moving in such a way that we can respond. We can live into our values, the values you've given us, and be more fully the people you made us to be. It's in Jesus' name that we pray these things. Amen. So Jesus is here in the middle of his ministry. He's been traveling around. He's been healing. He's been teaching. He's been casting out demons, performing all sorts of miracles. But the people have not been responding in faith. They've not turned away from their self-interest. They haven't put their trust in Jesus as the Messiah. Instead, they continue to rely on themselves. Many were becoming actually even hostile 
and resistant to Jesus's ministry. Some were doubting. Even John the Baptist was filled with these incredible doubts. Was Jesus really who he believed him to be? And so the people were struggling to understand who Jesus is and what he had come to do and how life really works in relationship with God and now with his son. And so they were pulling away rather than moving closer to Jesus. And Jesus, reflecting on all these things, says, I praise you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, because you've hidden these things. You've hidden my identity. You've hidden your purposes. You've hidden how life works from the wise and the learned and revealed them to little children. (laughs) And we might hear this and kind of go, wait, wait, wait a second. I thought we just read earlier in Proverbs chapter nine that like it was really good to be wise and we should really be diligent in learning. And isn't that the value that we're talking about today? So why are the ones who God has hidden these things from called the wise and the learned? Well, it's because actually you could take the, those, that phrase and you could put it in air quotes. This is Jesus saying the wise and the learned. You know, the ones who think they're wise who think they have already learned all that there is to learn. These are the ones who are failing to see, to understand. And and these, for Jesus in his day, were the Pharisees and the religious leaders primarily. These are the ones who had all sorts of time of, of leisure and luxury to sit back and study the scripture and understand the oral tradition that they understood to be divinely inspired. And so they had the law and they had all of life broken down into this series of steps and little rules and little commands. And they were sure that they knew that this is how life works. And if everybody would just get on board and do it the way that they understood, then life was going to work out for everybody. And Jesus is saying to these, he's saying, yeah, they think they're wise. They think they're learned. They think they understand. But they don't get it. They don't get it because they think they already know. Have you ever been there? See, when we, when we already know how to do something, it's pretty difficult to be open to the possibility that there's another way, isn't it? Take the new math, for instance. Anyone tried to grapple with the new math? You know, you may have seen one of these equations, and, you know, it's eight plus seven, and you might have just thought, why don't they just memorize it like we did? Get the tables out, get the flashcards out, and just learn the facts. What do you mean a number bond? What is that about? And you may not have any idea. A number bond is where you're supposed to look at this equation, take the highest number, and figure out what is it going to take to get to the nearest 10. And so 8 takes 2 to get to the nearest 10. And then you take that 2 from the 7, and what do you have left? You've got 5. And so now you've got a 1 from the 10s place and a 5 in the 1s place. So you've got a 1 and a 5. You've got 15. And I already see you going, why don't they just memorize it? <laughs> and pictures... Why are we drawing so many pictures? I thought math was about numbers, right? In trying to learn the new math, part of our problem is that we think we already know how to do it. And so we're resistant. But learning in this new way actually opens up opportunities, particularly for children who struggle to memorize. They actually have an opportunity to learn math in a way that they didn't in previous generations. 
Not to mention the fact that when we teach kids different skills, different approaches to solve a problem, they're learning that there's a variety of solutions to the problems that they face in life, including math. And they become more creative in their problem solving. And so when we think we already know how to do something, we aren't really open to a different way, are we? And Jesus is saying, the people who think they know how life really works aren't really open to something new, a different possibility. The people who think they have God figured out aren't open to God surprising them. They're resistant to God, resistant particularly perhaps to a God who makes the kind of exclusive claim that Jesus makes here, that no one knows the Son except the Father. And no one knows the Father except the Son and those to whom the Son chooses to reveal him. Jesus is saying to really understand God, to really know what life is all about, we're totally dependent on him to reveal it to us, to show us how it really works. Oh, but that can't be right. That's so narrow, Jesus. And Jesus is just warning, be careful. If you think you know how God works and you think you know how life is supposed to happen, because you may be missing it altogether. Because what if there is another way to live? What if Jesus is right? In fact, he is inviting us even here today to another way of living. He's saying for anybody who is willing and able to accept that you don't have it figured out, he says, like children, come. Like children, those who are open, those who are humble, those who are eager to find out something new, to discover that there's another way to make life happen. Those, to those, Jesus says, come to me, all who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. All. A moment ago, it was so narrow. Now it's so broad. The invitation is to all who are weary and burdened. What an amazing invitation and what an incredible promise. I will give you rest. Because who among us have not felt weary? At that long journey of life, exhausted. Right? A journey that, that won't stop. It doesn't have a rest point. There seems to be no end in sight. And so you just keep getting up day after day after day, continuing to just press forward, not sure if or when anything's going to change. It's exhausting. And man, it would be one thing if it was just a long journey, but then to throw on our backs the burden, these weights, this heavy load, the stresses, the uncertainties, the fears, the obligations, the responsibilities, and it just keeps going and going, pile on. We are weary and we are burdened. And Jesus says, come to me and I will give you rest. See, the Pharisees, those ones who thought they had life all figured out, were also the ones laying the heaviest burden on the people, a burden that they couldn't possibly bear. The law, as they were loading it on, the religious obligation, as they were loading it on, was and is an impossible master, unrelenting and no mercy. And is that not often the case for religion? I think it might actually be the most highly religious people who are the most rigid who are the least likely to be open to the possibility that life could happen a different way. Because with that deep conviction, often comes a deep rigidity. 
That no, I have life figured out. I know what it's supposed to look like. I know the rules. I know the behaviors. And as a matter of fact, religious people often say, if we just get the behaviors right, life will work out. And maybe that's why so many religious people are weary and burdened. And Jesus is inviting us to come. I'll give you rest. Who doesn't want rest? Doesn't that just sound like fantastic? Yes, please rest. I need a vacation. Like, let's put our feet up. Let's get a nice drink. Let a nice little breeze flowing through our hair, right? Like, let's just shut it down for a little while and get some rest. Is this what Jesus is talking about when he says rest here, though? See, is he really saying that there's no more struggle, there's no more work, there's no more difficulty, there's no more trial? No, actually, that's not what he says, is it? When he says, I'll give you rest, the very next thing, he says, come, take my yoke upon you and learn from me. Then you'll find rest for your souls. Take a yoke and learn from me. A yoke, you might, you might not know what that is. You might recognize it if you saw one. A yoke is like this big wooden beam, this wooden bar that was actually in Jesus's day, it was placed over a pair of oxen. You had two oxen and you take this wooden bar and they'd place it over them to hold these oxen together so that they could then be hitched to a plow and they could plow a field in tandem. And so this yoke is this wooden bar. And so Jesus is saying, take a wooden bar upon you and go to work. Wait a second, that doesn't sound very restful. But it came to be known as this metaphor for the, the teaching of the rabbis. Jesus is saying, take my teaching upon you. Take my way of life upon you, my way of being upon you and learn from me. And see, this pushes against a little bit of our idea of rest because we think rest means we get to just chill out for a while. And Jesus is saying, no, rest will be in working, in being productive, in living out your life the way that it was intended to be, living my way. That's what rest looks like. And so when we raise up this value of learning, there's something really significant we need to hold on to here. Because when we say learning, learning is not just about stuffing more information in our brain. It's not just about filling our heads up with all sorts of knowledge, learning as much factual information from the Bible or about God. Learning is all about ultimately putting it into practice, living it out in every moment of every day. See, learning that's disconnected from daily life is really irrelevant for us. It doesn't really matter if you learn how to cook masterfully, but never go to a kitchen and do anything with it. This is the same with Jesus. To put put his yoke upon us is then to live productively the way we were meant to live, and this will be restful for our souls. To put his yoke on us. I think one of our problems as we think about this, and maybe not consciously, we haven't put it in these terms, but but lots of people have tried to put a yoke on you, haven't they? 
And lots of folks that have, have tried to strap their teaching to your shoulders and to your back. And it starts when we're early and some of it's great and some of it's really problematic. Maybe your parents strapped a, a, a yoke upon you and you learned early on that you had to behave or perform a particular way. There were things you could and couldn't say in order to be a respectful person, in order to represent the family well. And if you failed these things, then man, you were a failure. What a yoke. You've had bosses that have put yokes upon you, making demands that were unreasonable, demanding that you sacrifice other valuable and important things in your life, your family, your health, and other things for the sake of of their yoke. You've had friends that have put a yoke upon you that they'll only be your friends if you walk in step with them and with their expectations yoked to them. You may have had church and religious experiences where you have received a yoke that is as burdensome as the yoke of the Pharisees. You yourself may just be putting a yoke on you that is unbearable. You are weary and you are burdened. So when we start thinking about taking on another yoke, though, there might be some trepidation. Why would I put Jesus' yoke on me? Jesus somewhat answers the question, He says, take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart. He's saying the reason that you would put my yoke on you is because of who I am. I'm gentle. Those others who would put a yoke on you, have they been gentle with you? More often, we've been rough with one another, even with ourselves. More often, it's been painful to take that yoke upon us. And he is humble and he is in heart. In other words, Jesus' teaching is not about him and him being puffed up, him being important. It's not about his agenda. It's actually for you. It's to serve us. It's to give us the greatest picture of what God has intended our life to be about, the yoke that he made for us. And his humility is so evident that he's willing to go and die on a cross in your place. If you're wondering if Jesus is for you, never doubt when you look at this cross, that's the symbol that says Jesus is for you in every situation. He is gentle, he is humble in heart, and so his yoke is good for you. As a matter of fact, he says it's good for you when he says, my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Now, easy isn't the way we think of easy. We think of easy as like, it doesn't take effort. But when Jesus says the yoke is easy, he's referring to the fact that it fits correctly. See, when they would make these yokes for the team of oxen, they would actually custom fit them to the particular oxen. Because I guess oxen bodies are not all the same. I guess we can relate to that, right? And so some were wider and some were narrower and some were taller and some were shorter. And so they would custom fit this yoke so that it was perfectly suited for the team of oxen to then go and pull and work most efficiently without injury. And getting it fit right was so important. It's like if you ever ski or you snowboard. It's like having boots or ice skating, boots that fit properly. Right? If they're too tight, It cuts off the circulation to your feet. And, you know, I'm not a doctor, but I don't think that's very good for you. 
And if they're too loose, your feet begin to slide around inside the boot. And as they slide around, you can get blistered. And obviously, that's very painful. And not to mention, it also doesn't allow you to control the ski or the snowboard very well. So you'll try to go and make a movement. And instead of the skis moving, your foot will slide in the boot and won't translate all of the energy to the ski. So you have a lot less control and it's a lot less efficient. When your boots fit just right, man, it's a whole lot more fun. Your feet stay warm. When you make a movement, your skis or your snowboard respond accordingly, and you can have a whole lot more fun that day. they got to fit just right. I mean, it's, it's Goldilocks here. Jesus has made a yoke that's like Goldilocks. It's just right. But it's not just right in general. It's just right for you. Jesus knows you. He knows the shape of your heart, of your soul, of your life, and he wants to custom fit his teaching just for you so that it fits, so you can be the most productive, so that you can learn from him. And he makes this invitation to come to him, but also a promise you will find rest for your souls. And this is an invitation to test him. Try it out. Maybe try taking more seriously his way of life and his teaching upon you and see if it gives you a different outcome. See if you find him to truly be gentle and humble. See if you find that his teaching, his way of being, as you learn more to live into it and practice it, if it really gives rest to your soul. But we keep putting on other yokes, don't we? Some of us put on the yoke of anger, and it became really the the only emotion that we were comfortable expressing. And it became this emotion that was about self-protection and self-preservation. It was the way of navigating through an uncertain world. Made us feel a little more powerful, a little more in control. Some of us put on the, the yoke of cynicism. Another way to just protect ourselves, to keep expectations low of ourselves, of others around us, so that we wouldn't be disappointed anymore, even of God. Some of us put the yoke of, a cope, of accomplishment and we keep pushing forward, driving for success, for the next thing, the next accomplishment. But it never stops. <clears throat> Some of us put the yoke of acceptance on ourselves. That if, if we can just portray an image into the world that allows someone or maybe lots of someone's to accept us, to give us the validation and the affirmation, then life's gonna finally work. <clears throat> Others have put on a yoke of perfection, just feeling like if I can control every little detail of every situation, if I can orchestrate the details of my life, then it's going to work for me. Some have put on the yoke of blame and just going, how could I possibly be responsible for the things happening in my life? Look at what's happening in the world around us. It is a mess. It couldn't be me. It's got to be somebody else's fault. All these yokes that don't fit. They're not easy. We find ourselves exhausted, weary, and burdened by these yokes. They're chafing. They're inefficient. And Jesus is saying, come on, come to me. Take my yoke upon you. Learn from me, not the way of the world. And you'll find rest for your souls. Come to me. This yoke is made for two oxen. Right, and so if you're the one oxen, who's the other? It's Jesus. Take my yoke on you. See, when, when we come to Jesus 
and we put our trust in him, when we cast off the other yokes that we're trying to put on to make life work out the way we hope it will work, when we come and we take his yoke and we learn from him, we get hitched to him. And he pulls with us. And when we're too weak, he pulls for us. And he empowers us by his Holy Spirit to live into the teaching that he has for our lives. Because sometimes we think about all the things Jesus teaches and we're like, yeah, there's no way I could possibly do that. So why bother to try? And Jesus says, I will be with you. I am in you. I am for you. I am hitched to you. Take my yoke upon you. I will give you rest. I will lead you into the life that you were intended to have. And when we're living yoked to him, it means every moment of every day is an opportunity to learn. That yes, we can learn in classes and we can learn in groups. And I would so encourage you to become a part of a small group, a short-term group, a long-term group, whatever it is. Because you will be so blessed learning with and from the other people. We have new groups that are gonna form during Lent just for eight weeks. Just try it out if you've never done it before. There's a ton to learn about Jesus and his way from those others around you. But when we're hitched to Jesus and every moment is an opportunity to learn, it also means that Jesus is going to teach us in some very unconventional ways. He might teach you through pain. He might teach you through your confusion, through your fear. He might teach you through the questions that you keep wrestling with and don't seem to find an answer to. He might teach you by demanding and calling you to step out in faith to do something that you don't understand. But here's the thing, if we, if we have to understand before we will obey, then it's not Jesus's yoke that we have on us, it's, his, it's our yoke that he, we're trying to put on him. Because sometimes he invites us, demands us, commands us, calls us to step out in ways we don't understand because he wants to teach us something new. And we all have something new to learn. I love the movie, The Karate Kid. Um, we taped it off of the television on VHS when I was little. And so for those who are younger than me, we can talk about that later. We had to fast forward the commercials, the whole thing. But in this, in this movie, Mr. Miyagi is a karate sensei. He's a master, and he takes Danny, the young protege, under his wing to teach him. To teach him how to, how to practice karate. And, and so he, there's this scene in there where Danny is up on a ladder and he's painting Mr. Miyagi's house. And it's late at night and Mr. Miyagi walks up happy as a lark and says, hey, you missed a spot. And Danny is not so amused by that. And he demands to know, why didn't you tell me you were going fishing all day? And Mr. Miyagi's response is, you're karate training. And that just sets Danny off even further. Karate training? What are you kidding me? Over the last four days, I haven't learned anything about karate. Yeah, I've learned to sand your decks. I've learned to wax your cars. I've learned to paint your fence, paint your house. Karate? Yeah, I don't think so. I'm out of here. And Mr. Miyagi responds, not everything is as it seems. And he gets Danny to finally look at him in the face. And he starts to review the things that he had asked of him over the last few days. And so he says, show me sand the floor. And Danny just kind of flops his arms out there. And no, show me sand the floor. And Mr. Miyagi corrects him. Shah! I just kind of wanted to do that. Right. And then he asks him to show wax on, wax off, and paint the fence and paint the house. And he corrects each little move. And then he finally pauses. And he looks Danny in the face and says again, show me wax on, wax off. 
And he goes to punch Danny right in the face and Danny blocks it because he's using the moves of wax on and wax off that he learned when he was waxing a car. And then he does it again and he tries to punch him in the face again and Danny uses the moves from paint the fence to block it. And then finally, Mr. Miyagi tries to kick him and Danny blocks it using sand the floor. And then there's a pause. Looks him in the face again and then Mr. Miyagi just starts to unload. Yeah, 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 yeah. And Danny, using all of the skills that he had been taught over those days, blocks every one of the moves. And then Mr. Miyagi bows, looks him in the eyes and says, come back tomorrow. See, we may not understand how Jesus is teaching us. We may not even like the method that he's using. But every moment is a chance to be a learning people Every day is a chance to come back tomorrow and continue the journey following Jesus to take his yoke upon us, to learn from him the way of life that God intended for us to live. And it is a way that will lead us to rest, true rest for our souls. We want to be a learning people that never stops, never assumes that we have it all figured out, that never assumes we understand God or every detail of life. Instead, we want to be a learning people that continuously comes to Jesus, learns to know him deeply, that learns to know what he's done for us, and then learns how to follow him, yoked to him every moment. Hear and receive his invitation this morning. Come, all you who are weary and burdened, and he will give you rest. Take his yoke upon you and learn from him, and you will find rest your souls. Let's be a learning people like that. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we acknowledge to you that there are so many yokes that we have placed on ourselves and that others have placed on us. And so, Lord, we acknowledge those, we confess those, help us to cast those yokes off, to come to you, to put our trust fully in you, to take your yoke, to learn your way even if it's a way that we don't understand and that we're uncomfortable with, Lord, may we continue to trust you enough that you are gentle and you are humble in heart, that you are for us, that we will continue to walk with you day in and day out. May we be a people that never stops learning how to live life as you intended us to live. It's in Jesus' name that we pray, amen. Amen.